0: I am Stephen James Peterson, and this is the Raven Rising Podcast. Today's guest is Tommy Maloney from Blending the Family. You may have seen him on his TEDx talks, you may have read his books, you may have been on his website, but you get him in person here today with me. Let's get to it. Good Tommy. Welcome to the Raven Rising Podcast. How are you this morning?
1: I am outstanding but improving. How is Mr. Steven today in the glorious, wondrous, warm weather? Oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still below freezing up here in North Dakota
0: <laughs> and there's still a meter high snow drift on the edge of the road. So, not... Not my typical April, that's for sure. How are things going for you down in Colorado? I
1: can't complain because, well, the dog is asleep and there's nobody in the house, so it's just me. (laughs) So,
0: since we're doing a podcast, Tommy, we should probably have you tell listeners
1: who you are. Hmm. That's a tough question. I think it was Nietzsche. (laughs) No, it wasn't Nietzsche. (laughs) I am the co-founder of a business called Blending the Family, where I like to delve into, um, as I like to tell a lot of people, Stephen, is that think of the Brady Bunch. You had Mr. Brady bringing in three boys. You had Mrs. Brady bringing in three girls. In our situation, my wife, Ann, has two daughters. I have a son. And we tried to establish a successful family by... Um, because there was just no books out there and we created a a business to serve others, to help them have a successful family. And that's part of it. There's the coaching, there's the book writing. And as, as just like you, Steven, I too have a podcast and, I love, I I love this medium. I just love having the ability to sit here in the comforts of my PJs right now. I promised I put pants on for you. So I, I got my PJs on. And, uh, you know, yeah. the,
0: the, the listeners will never know if you're porky pig in it. So <laughs> that's all folks. <laughs> so let's get a little bit more in depth though, because, um, I think that the listeners, that if they haven't been a follower of yours, may not know about your TEDx talk,
1: may not know about the
0: two books that you've done so far.
1: Well, that is true. And uh, where do I begin? I guess the first book I wrote was called 25 Tips for Divorced Dads. And that book came from right when my uh, divorce was happening And I had to take a realization of, all right, how do I stay connected and bonded with my son when I'm not in in that house? And what I had done was, at that time, I was traveling every Sunday from uh, Denver uh, International Airport to LaGuardia. I started at first writing a blog to just do a brain dump of, at that time, my really depressing life of oh my gosh, I'm going through a divorce, woe well, with me and all that. But from there came ideas of, all right, like I said, Stephen, how do I stay connected with my son? And one of the first things I thought of was once I landed at uh, either LaGuardia or wherever else I was traveling to, the first stop was always at the gift shop. And I would buy... Uh, depending how long I was going to be in in that particular city, I would buy, let's say five postcards. And from there every morning uh, I would write out a postcard and then mail it to my son. And this was during when he was first learning how to read. And it was a, a, a bit of a Jedi mind trick to sort of force him to learn how to read because here he is receiving a postcard from his dad. And what does it say? And so, uh, he still has those postcards. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that he still has them. And so, like I said, Stephen, I just took little ideas to help me stay connected with my son to again, put that 25 tip uh, for divorced dads book together. The second book was uh, I took early uh, blogs that I was, again, as I was going through my divorce to uh, feel some, so doing my own therapy of just, writing and trying to figure out what it is I want to do in life and little did I realize that writing really became a huge passion of mine so that second book was just called simply uh, why not you why not me and like I said Stephen I just I just put a bunch of blogs together threw it in a in a Kindle format however that's done and now uh, looks like the third book which is like you were talking about. The TEDx talk, uh, this third book called My Dad's Advice at 5.04 a.m. is going to come out in October of this year of 2018. Nice. I'm so excited.
0: You know, I, I, that's pertinent to me because I know every once in a while I pop onto your social media via Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and I put one statement down and it was, write
1: the book. <laughs> oh, for you or for me? For me, right? Yeah. Well, for me, yeah, yeah. I, you. you know, and and I really want to take a step back here for for the for your listeners too, Stephen. And that is how you and I met was through LinkedIn. And I am very honored that I, I whenever I talk about my mentors in my life. You and my good friend Denise are the two that really come to mind. And like you were saying, yeah, you kept telling me, write the book, write the book. And I I actually, for once in my life, listened to somebody and said, oh, yeah, I should just continue writing the book. And because of those uh, actions, because I'm in a a creating versus waiting uh, mode, things have started to happen because of it, because I have taken the time to work on the book. And uh, the, the biggest problem that I see, not in just my life, but others too, is that we, we're afraid to, you know, do that humble brag. We're afraid to let others know about us. And because I finally stopped being a secret, things have happened. The book is going to be published by a, a real publishing company. Um, because of that, I've got other things down in the pipeline that uh possibly are going to happen. So it's it's important what I'm trying to say is it's important to me and it's important to others listening to this podcast to have mentors in their life and to not be afraid to ask for help and especially men stephen it, we have to stop that cycle. Like, we have to stop going <laughs> I'm okay, I'm not going to ask for help. No you're not, you're an idiot. Quit Oh,
0: absolutely. You know, I, I still remember that first phone call between you (laughs) and me because I, you and I started rapping with each other and I just dove into Tommy, what are your pain points? Tommy, what's going on here? And it was really fun to help you flesh that out and just, Throw some crazy ideas at you, and the the fun part of that though is watching you activate and execute on those.
1: Yeah, and one of the first things you told me was um, about you know producing more content, and because of eventually listening to you, that's what I've been doing. I've been producing more content. So, so for example, the big thing I'm doing right now, uh, I have a weekly column for the Good Men Project, and I'm doing a series and this goes back to creating versus waiting. This is, this is my mantra is creating versus waiting. And because of that series, because of listening to people like you, Stephen, there's going to be another book coming out of this series next year. And it's based on me taking the leap of faith for me, finally uh, having my, uh, my awakening with, with, uh, however you want to call it, you want to say God or higher source or spirit or what have you. And again, because of listening to you of going, yeah, he's right. I need to create more. I need to write more. And I'll be the first to admit to, to you, listeners to anyone. I'm not a great writer. I just love doing it. And again, because of your mentorship it's helped me in so many ways. And again, it it goes back to just finally listening and not, not being that secret. I, you know, people are a lot
0: of people, especially if they're new to this podcast, don't realize that one of my favorite things to do is find someone like you and then just come in like a Tomahawk cruise missile drop in and just explode into your brain with different concepts and ideas of taking the, I have this problem here and then bouncing it around between the two of us and creating solutions for that. It's like, okay, you have this going on. You make that a strength. And that's one of my favorite things to do. And I'm just enjoying that aspect. It's so much fun to be able to connect with people like you and watch you execute on it and to watch the growth happen that, that there's no dollar amount attached to that. As I jokingly said with Marcus Aurelius and with Tim Michael, when they were on the podcast, I haven't received a dime from you. You haven't received a dime from me. This is about helping each other move up into the world to be able to bring positive impact. And that's why I'm loving watching you move forward. I'm loving watching the growth because, and I'm not going to say it was just me because I know 99% of everything that you gave me came out of your own mouth. I just took it and I squished it through my hands, like some clay and created something new out of it and gave you your ideas back. So that, that was just huge. And I so appreciate having you on. And also for the listeners, Tommy Maloney was supposed to be the inaugural first guest <laughs>
1: of this podcast. It, and it's what, taking us a month? Finally? Well, better late than never. Uh, did I lose you there? Nope. Nope. Okay. Better late than never. But um, I'm happy you talked about the dollar and cents because especially when, when you make connections on LinkedIn and, you know, you get that connection and, you know, if you're really good at being a a good person, a good networker, then after you receive a a LinkedIn, Hey, I want to connect with you and you respond back to them saying, Hey, I'm, I'm honored for you to connect with me. What can I do for you? And the next thing you do is you get one of those sales messages. <laughs> really? Come on. And, and you know, you're not one of those people. Uh, you're one of those people that wants to bring value. And, again, going back to that very first phone call, you and I, you brought so much value. And because of that, it, it again, it inspired me to sit there and write because I know – once this book is completed, once this book is published, it's going to bring value to others, and it's because of people like you, Stephen, that, again, you're not on this planet for, you know, just being uh, somebody who who says, "Well, take my advice." Oh, by the way, I, I'm going to charge you five hundred dollars. No, it's about. <laughs> I mean, eventually <laughs> it will be, but. Right now it's uh, a quick story. I started a mastermind group and I originally started this for some local entrepreneurs and I sent out this email saying, all right, here's, here's what we're going to do. It's, it's, it's free. Um, Let's just make this happen. And out of the five people I emailed, one person responded back. And because of that, she said, Hey, I have some friends that also want to be a part of this. I said, more the merrier. And it's not about uh, the about, you know, eventually it'll be about making money, but I'm more about how do you serve others while you're on this planet? How do you bring again value to others? Because they're gonna see the value in, in somebody like you, Stephen, and then they're gonna say, eventually, very soon, probably well, Stephen, you, you've really given others some great advice. How much do you charge for your coaching? <laughs> that's what's gonna, and that's how I look at it, that it, it's eventually going to be that way for you, for me, for the listener. Well, then if people are listening
0: to this, they better jump on that soon because I have not created a billing schedule or a price to this. I'm too much fun doing it. Hey, Tommy, I'm going to throw a break in here, and then we'll be right back in about a minute. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely. All right, back to the show, everybody. (laughs)
0: Oh, I I, I am so happy to have you on. I I don't know if anyone else will ever understand so happy to have you on because when I found this Anchor Podcasting app, the first person that came to mind was I need to get Tommy. I so need to get Tommy on here.
1: <laughs> well, I told I I posted in this podcasting Facebook group I just discovered saying you know i'm looking for guests but at the same time i want to be a guest on other podcasts so this is weird for me by the way Stephen, this is weird having the the tables turned of being the guest versus being the host but i told uh this group this facebook podcasting group that your listeners won't be bored listening to me hopefully <laughs> oh that's the truth
0: well so i want to take and in this segment, you've already touched on a couple of things, but the let's go back a year to at least and talk about the growth process for you, you know, because I, I know that you know having also been you you go through this period of time where life doesn't look like reality there's so much emotional fog going on so talk about you stepping out of that emotional fog and and forward i mean i love how you took that adversity and grew that into what you're doing today you if you don't mind speak to that and also address how you got into your ted talk also and how you've used that because for you, the healing process and growth process, that's why I'm loving the evolution here. If I'd love to hear you explain that to people.
1: Well, let me, I'm going to take you even further back. I'm going to take you about 10 years back. My divorce happened in 2008. And I came from a family of divorce. My parents divorced when I was five. Ironically, when... Uh, my former wife and I got divorced. That was the age of my, uh, I got to, I got to make sure I say it right. Our son. I keep always saying my son and I had a judge tell me, no, it's not my it's our. So I have to remind myself our son. But during that 2008, I was again, traveling for work. I was, I was doing software training constantly on the road and that that very first Christmas, and this is where um, you t- you're asking about growth. So here's where the growth started. So that very first Christmas in 2008, I was too ashamed to face my son uh, because I felt like such a failure. I felt like a failure as a man. I felt a failure as a husband. I felt a failure as a dad because when you get married – you think that for better or for worse, till death do you part, it's one and done. And even though the studies and statistics show that if you come from divorce, chances are you're going to end up in divorce court. And I was like, no, 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 that's not going to happen to us. As a matter of fact, we were going through therapy at the time. And even after the divorce, I kept going back to the same um, therapist, because I really felt that I needed that help again, asking for help. And I was very comfortable with her versus having to go to another therapist and tell them my story and all those things. So therapy for me has really helped. Then as we progressed from 2008 to um, to current, you know, um, my wife, Ann and I, uh we we met because i was giving a uh a, a presentation a speech for uh a fatherhood organization here in colorado she reached out to me said i really liked your talk uh would you like to have coffee sometime and so we started dating after that and as we started dating we started formulating a plan as far as all right If we take the next step, if we start thinking about getting engaged and getting married, what's that impact going to be like on our kids? So we had this, um, I I don't know the best word, but we, we said to each other, if our kids don't get along, we're not going to continue dating. And to a lot of people, and this is one of those questions I ask on our on, on my podcast. And that is, if the kids don't go get along, do you still continue dating? And I've had both yes answers, no answers, and in between. God bless our kids, they got along. So that again started this whole concept of blending the family, as far as how can we serve others? that are about to be a blended family or are dating with kids and how do you handle that? So that's, that's kind of where my growth has been is figuring out how can I take a business? How can I serve others to help create happy, happy go lucky families? I mean, the best line I've ever heard was, you know, because of we're based on, you know very similar to the Brady Bunch, and from an episode of the Brady Bunch was the the because uh, we never used the word step in our family, never understood it, mm-hmm. hate the word, and I don't know where I heard it or or my wife Ann picked up, but we at first we called our kids our bonus kids, and this is your your bonus sister, this is your bonus mom, and so we wanted to put a positive spin on it. And there's an episode in the Brady Bunch where um, it was the episode where Bobby wanted to run away. And he, he mentioned the word stepsister and the mom, Carol Brady said, the only steps in this house lead upstairs. I've always loved that. It was very profound. And for that show, it was very, very spot on when it came to how do you build a successful family? And so, I don't know if I've really answered your question, Stephen, but, uh, personally, <laughs> I think, I think I've come a, a long way from, you know, we can, we can talk about, you know, the years of, of battling depression and that was a huge trigger was going through that divorce. And wow. Know, yeah. Yeah. We can absolutely spend hours on. Oh yeah. And, and maybe we can be each other's therapists. that's scary (laughs) yeah Yeah,
0: well so one of the key things though that really lit the for me with you was seeing how and this happened with Marcus Aurelius Anderson too the first time me and him spoke the whole how can I be of value to you first Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and be without any expectation of getting anything back because you know my import export business is all eight degrees away from what you're doing but it that didn't stop you from being of service and that being of service to you and I, I hope that as people find this podcast, that they learn that lesson because it is one of the key themes funny that's been interviewed so far, that that is present automatically. And it even brokenly called it a conflict between Marcus Aurelius and myself was that when we had a couple of glitches on the recruit, he automatically apologized oh that must be on my end (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i was like no 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 that must be on my end type of humility that you find amongst the people that you and i have brought into our circle and influence so those key themes that i just want to make sure that really stands out uh, if out of this podcast or out of this segment that people that are new to what you and I are trying to accomplish and are accomplishing, that that's required. That That's like the ticket to be able to, is being able to do things to add value to others and not expect anything back in return.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you brought up a, a great example of Marcus Aurelius Anderson because he's been on our podcast too. And, you know, in the back of my mind right now is, if if he hadn't gone through, and if and again, if you haven't heard uh, Stephen's interview with, with Marcus Aurelius, really, so I highly recommend it. And that is, if, if Marcus hadn't gone through what he had gone through, dying twice, where would his life have changed, you know? And, you know, you can sit there and play the what-if games. So if I hadn't gone through, you know, my divorce, where would I be now? Would I be happier? Would I be sadder? But the point here is, again, you can play what if games all you want, but we're only on this planet one time. And well, unless you're a Buddhist, but you're only on this planet one time. And how do you want to your legacy to be remembered? And I firmly, again, firmly believe that People such as yourself, as Marcus Aurelius, um, you know, people I've had on the podcast, they have that same mindset: is how can I serve you? How can I help you without having anything in return? I mean, as Zig Ziglar always said, you can get everything you want in life as long as you help others get what they want. And I'll, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that is probably. Key to life right there is that statement from Zig Ziglar. And there are times where I think we as humans forget that we're really here to serve others. And yes, it is nice. You know, my wife and I are going through uh, the Dave Ramsey uh, Financial Peace University, and he talks heavily about how great it is to be able to be eventually debt-free, where you can start taking money and helping others. And that's that's my end goal, is to be able to – because my son plays hockey, and it's a very um, expensive sport.
0: Oh, yes, and, it is. Yeah. Anyone that does hockey, that if their kids want to get into it, I hope that you have set up a trust fund for that. If you're a parent <laughs> that wants to put your kids into a hospital, haven't had kids yet, you better open up a trust fund and start setting that money aside because the gear, the driving, the fees, it's.
1: No, but I want to be able to, and this has been part of uh, part of the business model for blending the family and. Eventually, what I want to be able to do is have like a scholarship program or some type of fund put aside for families that are wanting their kids to be not, not just in hockey, but a sport or even a, a musical instrument, but they don't have the funds. And to be able to just do this, Stephen, write the check or hand over cash and go, here you go. All I ask is one day you pay it forward. That's all I ask. And that's my, that's my goal. That's, you know, my, as, as, uh, Stephen, Dr. Stephen Covey and, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer talked a lot about was you think from the end. And for me thinking from the end means being able to just go anywhere, hand somebody money who, who needs it and not have to worry, worry about it and not have to, you know, think twice about it.
0: It, Yeah. you touched on something that I want to start the next segment on. And this is hugely congruent with you. You are. So I'm going to throw another break in here real quick to get this off to process. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about bit and how <laughs> that that town impacted me. And I know that there's certain correlation, between you and me regarding Greeley. So we'll be right back. So to speak to what you were just saying about building or creating an endowment, Mm This ties back to me about 2013, 2012, and my first real in-depth experience with Greeley, Colorado. And at that time, I was working as a bail bondsman and working as a private investigator out of Loveland, Colorado. And really blew my mind because it had higher per capita criminal stats than Denver and Aurora that it had all these different issues going on there but it's a town I mean the downtown it, it, you know it can grow into something just being its own little mecca to where it could have- against loveland and fort collins and i'll even say it compete against bull
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the the cr- and interest or or just kind of uh for me it was interesting just to watch divides there and part of that was because the interstate you know wasn't near their town businesses that used to be there shifted over to Loveland and over to um, is it Winchester right off the highway there? On the oh, east it's side?
1: Um, it's um... Now I'm drawing a blank. Between
0: Fort Collins and Loveland yeah. died. and it has these spectacular McMansions all over it. Mm-hmm. But that that was something that Hit a lot of heartstrings with me. And back then, I wanted to be able to bring something back to that community and live there. But I wanted to find a way to bring something back to that community. And especially to the acculturated and the other acculturated immigrants that are now citizens, and also to the legacy families of Greeley. I'm not even concerned about the culture where they come from but that they're there to make that community better and that was part of why I did a I I want to do a 5% program with anything that I do of my producers product cash flow that this comes out of my import export company that 5% of my total revenues get put into youth development programs and youth entrepreneurship programs and when I think that prado is one of those top 10 places that I want to focus a ton of effort on because there's so many great families there there's this weird culture spinning in the background to where these kids feel like they've been left behind and I want to change that so that's the reason why focus on Greeley and one of the reasons why where you lived really sang out to me when we first connected I don't know if you realize that Mm -hmm. I, I still want to see Greeley step up because it has everything that it needs and it's just a matter of getting the resources and I don't mean cash I mean educators education information and just access to ability to move forward
1: well, I will tell you, Stephen, because um, I believe you, you've you said that you're making a visit out here. Um, you'll be surprised at how, how much development is in downtown Greeley, Colorado. I mean, it is phenomenal. Um, there's a new, I can't think of the name of the hotel, there's a new... Uh, Nice hotel that's almost complete. Uh, there's some. I as I've gotten older, I don't want to say wiser, but I've as I've gotten older, <laughs> my taste my taste buds have really changed from you know growing up in Chicago and being a, a a Budweiser fan to now I love you know red wine. But in downtown Greeley, there's some great great uh, breweries in town there's um new restaurants there's i mean but it goes back to what you're talking about and that is you you need the human resources so to speak Uh um you do need mentorship um and and leadership and and things of that nature to really you know start small and work your way out to really produce a, a positive environment but like I said, when you make your visit out here, you'll be amazed uh, of the growth of of downtown Greeley and how 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 as the kids would say, more better uh, it looks <laughs> like these days.
0: Yeah, cause when I was last out there, I could I think that it would be safe to reasonably say 50% of downtown Greeley when I was last there was shuttered that that there was mm-hmm. just open storefront after open open storefront or the stores had signage in the window saying we're going out of business and you could just tell that the direction at that glad to hear otherwise has changed and the velocity is is picked up again. That was massive watching when I was there, like I said, it had the worst Crime stats out of any place in Colorado at the time, and because most of it was juvenile or early adult crime too, so that meant that a lot of these young people didn't—they had a future, and that's what they resorted to was the crime. And from my growth, from where I grew up, and what I knew, that spoke immediately to me, and at any time I can find a way to create an asset class and value of myself or what I do to and is, is just speaks volumes to me. And man, I am glad to hear the Greeley's improving. And I hope that maintains that.
1: Well, and I'll tie it into what my, my wishes and hopes and goals for, you know, our business of blending the family, and that is educating families and educating that both mom and dads, regardless if they're divorced, have to be a part of their kids' lives. And there's too many ugly statistics that if uh, a child does not have and I'm gonna I'll pick on the dads, and if they don't, if a child doesn't have an involved dad in their life, unfortunately, the studies are showing are going to show that that kid is set up for failure, and it it just goes back to regardless of a divorce, regardless how ugly a divorce is, and the parents have to be involved in the kids' lives they cannot use the kids as you know a go between that's that's not fair to the child so again parents have to be involved in their kids lives or or like you were talking about they're going to be set up for failure and they're going to be you know on their way to possibly crime you know drugs and all that stuff so i am a firm believer Firm believer that dads have to be involved in kids' lives. End of story, regardless, regardless of where they live. And, you know, I'm very, in our situation, uh, my wife's former husband is like a mile from us. So the daughters have that ability to see both mom and dad on a regular basis. My son is about an hour away from me, but that's, that's a reasonable drive. Now, Mm -hmm. if you fall into the category of, you know, mom and dad are, you know, are on different coasts. Well, that's okay. There's things called Skype. There's things called FaceTime. You know, you can still write letters. You can still write postcards, but you have to be involved. You have to be involved. And that's, you know, that's me on my soapbox, Stephen. Well,
0: I want to step that up a notch too, though, because it doesn't have to have a divorce inv- for a dad to be involved. There are mm-hmm. married couples that are out there. And true, I, I know I brought this up just recently, guest, but I know of uh, a family in the area that I'm at right now, where they took out of Boy Scouts because it was interrupting the dad's access to Monday Night Football. Oh, geez. And, <laughs> you know, I, I, that, that just puts me on my knees. And I'm like, what are you saying? Is, is mm-hmm. football really that important to where you're going to put your kid on the shelf? Instead of enabling them and have a better life, that so I, I don't think that a divorced couples, I mean, yes, absolutely they need to pay attention to the list to get them there, but there's people that are married that are failing at being involved with their kids. So I just want in the mix though.
1: Yeah, you're hundred percent right there, Steven. I mean uh, I've got a good friend of mine whose uh, son was in scouting, and uh, I'm not familiar with scouting, but he told me that uh, his son made Eagle Scout at a at a younger age, and I, from my understanding, that is that's tough oh, becoming yeah. an Eagle Scout, and so so because of you know this friend of mine, Greg, because his involvement with scouting, because his involvement with his son you know, like you're saying, they are, they're a traditional family, but you know, it's in my mind, the first thing I think of is time, you know, when I was married the first time, you know, I'd get back from a trip and my son would want to hang out and play. And I would give him that, that stupid dad excuse. Oh, I'm too tired. (laughs) And then after I get divorced, I don't get that time back. And I felt guilty about those times. And so, you again, you don't get time back. And I, I took my time with my son for granted, thinking, again, thinking I'm going to be married this first time forever and ever. And it, it wasn't the case. So it goes back to why I had to create a book, why I had to create, you know, the ability to stay connected and stay bonded with my son, because I knew I can't get of, uh, physically be there with him but what can I do so he knows that his dad still loves him even when he's not you know when we're not in the same house
0: yeah and that's that's absolutely huge really huge for young people coming up these days
1: mm-hmm. definitely definitely
0: so man, there, there's so many different directions to go in with you. It's, it's, it's a delicious dilemma to interview you. <laughs> Cause I know how many different directions that I, I could go in here with you. Um, yeah. dilemma. <laughs> so you've got that book coming up and I didn't realize you've got another one on deck after that, that, is just music to my ears. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that.
1: By, by, uh, next year, there should be two, two books. Um, because what I'm doing or will be doing again through the good men project, I will be able to take my weekly columns and just turn them into books. So it, you know, when people talk about, Oh, I don't have time to write, You don't, you you really, it's, I I hate, I hate when people say it's easy. You just have to be disciplined. You know, even Hemingway, even Hemingway, not to compare myself to Hemingway, but even Hemingway said, all I have to do is write anywhere between three and 500 words and I'm good. And that's my advice to a lot of people that want to, you know, write books, just write 300 to 500 words, get up early, get up, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes early write 300 to 500 words, even if it's crap, you wrote something. <laughs> let's,
0: yeah, let's dive into some of those habits on the next segment. With, with the full disclosure that I am not the expert there yet, but I know what the habits <laughs> are. That I, I am working on and I, you know, yeah, let's, let's make that our next segment. Let's work on habits that we've had to improve and habits that we had to get to be able to move ourselves forward. Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back.
1: Here we go. Oh, I
0: hear there you are. Are you in there? Can you I hear, hear me? I hear you.
1: Do you hear me? Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> Modern technology.
0: I won't have to say. Yeah, isn't it the greatest pain in the butt sometimes? <laughs> yes. All right. So let's let's go into mm-hmm. habits because this is something that I touched on with Tim Michael, with Marcus Aurelius, with Kim Gadab. Uh, with Josh Kelly. Um, and basically, it's going to come up with everybody that I interview on this podcast. You were talking about making a habit, basically time blocking for yourself, of doing your three to 500 words a day. And I've also seen you pop up on social media every once in a while talking about how you were having a tough day in front of the computer. I remember seeing that once or twice. Um, Talk about how you've had to restructure your time to properly fit in your ability to write.
1: Uh, I mean, that's a great question because one of, uh, I've got a a good friend of mine um, named Chris who she taught me this trick called HVAs. And it's high value assignments. It could be high value accomplishments. But what I do is I have three daily goals. Okay. So part of the the, the HVAs, the high value assignments, is not to have an overwhelming to-do list. Because what happens is you write down a to-do list and it becomes a to-do not list. And my, I, I'm a very simple guy. I'm, <laughs> I mean, very simple-minded as well. Three things. That's all I need to accomplish. And for example, today, I've accomplished two to three things I need to accomplish for today to be successful. So I'm going to give you those three. Um, and I'm just, I'll, I'll go into a little bit more detail. But the three things were, number one, coaching notes, number two, column, and number three, emailing dates to guests. So number one, coaching notes. I did a coaching session uh, yesterday with uh, uh, this girl, Paige, who's in this mastermind group. And I took all the notes that we talked about, essentially her homework, in order to get her moving to the direction she wants to be. So I need to formulate the coaching notes and send that off to her. I did that. Uh, the weekly column for the Good Men Project that's going to be done during the after you and I talk. And then number three is emailing dates to guests. So I've had and and to go a bit behind the curtain for me, Stephen, and, and to the listeners out there is when I have a podcasting guest, I don't necessarily do a a pre-call or uh, send them questions because I want conversations to happen organically. Now, one of the best guests that you have had and I have had, and he is just an amazing guy is Marcus Aurelius Anderson. And I'm sure the listeners out there are going, (laughs) Oh, this guy again. He's just awesome. He's an awesome guy. (laughs) And we had uh, a call and it ended up being over an hour. And I said, Marcus, we got to stop talking. We have to, because I need, <laughs> need what you're saying for the podcast, because I'm afraid that we're going to miss something. And so that's why I don't like having pre calls. That's why I don't like sending out the standardized questions. I mean, I worked 10 years in radio as a morning show producer and host. And you get these guests and, and, or, or the publicist saying, well, what are the questions going to be? And I hated that. I hated having to have canned questions and it's the standard uh, questions and you're going to get the standard answers. I hated it. So for the podcast, I don't send out questions. And if they ask, I'll, I'll, I'll say, okay, I'll begrudgingly, but I will send like one or two just standard questions to get the ball rolling. So for right. So again, for my daily goals today, I, I sent out dates for potential podcast guests, and then we we work from there as far as you know what date works for them and time and all that. So those that's what I need to do on a daily basis. I need to have uh, three daily goals to achieve. Now, honestly, Stephen, honestly to the listeners am I always going to achieve those? No, because life happens. Okay. Life happens. But if I can accomplish at least one or two of those, it's a good day. So that's, that's the habit I've had to go into, uh, as far as, um, creating, uh, this, this new book, the, um, uh, my dad's advice at five four AM for me, I have to write early in the morning. I have to, because once I don't know, before noon happens, around noon, I know my writing energy is done. And whatever I can do early in the morning as far as writing, again, it, it's not going to be perfect. That's that's why God invented editors to help you with those. putting putting those commas in the right place and spell and spelling and all that. That's, that's why editors are, are so wonderful to have. But like I said, I have to write in the morning. If I don't write in the morning, then I I know the energy is not going to happen throughout the day. I have to do other things, still be creative, but I know, I know me, I know my writing style. I know, you know, where my energy is throughout the day. So those, those are the habits I I've created you know, in the past couple of years as trying to be a peripheral, if I could even speak a really good writer. Right. So
0: one of the things I do remember you and I talking about on our first initial phone call, which is man, has it been six months Uh, already?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: That, that, I had asked you to work on producing daily mm-hmm. content. Now I know that you were doing a ton of content back then, but the one thing that I said was, can you do it daily? Did that have like a, a resonance for you? Because I've been watching, you know, like on your Instagram feed and some of your other social media that you've absolutely, you know grabbed onto that. Um, and I also remember that we, during our discussion back and forth, as we were batting that around, we even stepped it back to, Hey, just do two days a week, but do two consecutive days each week. And I think we landed on Tuesday and Thursday back then. Uh, Speak to me about that. How has that evolved for you and how have you shaped it and formed it to help you?
1: When you and I had that original talk, we were talking about putting more and more content on LinkedIn. And even though a lot of things I put on LinkedIn, which you can find me at the Tommy Maloney, the Tommy Maloney on LinkedIn. uh, (laughs) I I borrowed that from the great Jeffrey Gittimer about adding the in front of your name. So anyway, um, I, I, it's really, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just weird when it comes to where the best energy for my content goes. And I get more and more nervous putting stuff out on LinkedIn because to me, I really have to have value. I really have to have really good content. And for me, it, it, stems from I really have to focus uh, energy on producing good content for LinkedIn. Um, One of the tricks I've learned as far as developing content that I want to share, because I I don't want this to be a secret, is, and I learned this from Gary Vaynerchuk, is to do long-form content on Instagram, to do long-form content even on Facebook. And you could essentially write a blog, have a, a, a good picture on Instagram that really helps evolve the story. I, I think that was, that was one of the biggest um, eye-openers for me. So for me, I, 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 love, I love Instagram just because I can just put a picture on there and, and tell a story but for linkedin i know the the eyeballs are a little bit more serious so i really have if i'm going to write content for linkedin i really need to spend a good couple of hours developing um, a post i but i i mean i have also done well a lot of us have done we we see a really good article Maybe on the Huffington Post or Business Insider or Flipboard, and we take that content and we and we post it on on LinkedIn, which is great. Um, again, to use Gary Vaynerchuk, I mean, in his book Jab 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 Right Hook, you know, the jabs are, you know, putting out good content, putting out good time, good content, and then the right hook is the ask. So, so with the link sharing, I think the
0: only tweak that I always go out of my way to do is I at least introduce it, you know, so when I'm just doing my teaser stuff like tequila in the news, you know, Mm -hmm. that's simple. But any other time I share a link or a story, I always try to put at least a little bit of an editorial of my own at the top of that so that you're not just getting blank link sharing, but that
1: you understand why I'm sharing it. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, but the other thing for me is, and it's funny, I was just telling this, uh, this coaching client yesterday page is when you, when you write, you're writing for yourself and you, you should also think of one person that you're writing for. Um, I've had this happen to me a couple of times where I felt like I was taking out the knees is that I've, I've put out content um, I wrote something, and I, I posted into one of one of my groups, either be in LinkedIn or Facebook. And instead of getting some validation of of the meat and potatoes of the article, it comes back to, "Oh, well, you had a comma here when you shouldn't have. You had quotations." It's like, <laughs> I'm kind of like, "Thanks," and it and it and and I go back to thinking, "Well." all right, I, I really shouldn't care, but I do care. I got to the point, I'll, I'll tell you real quick, Stephen, I posted something in uh, one of the dad um, Facebook groups. And I, again, somebody had just ripped me about, I had, a, I had a, a comma in the wrong place and just ripped me over that. And I immediately, immediately deleted that post. I was hurt. So again, it goes back to why I have to put more energy into something like LinkedIn because again, it's a professional site. You have the potential. I'm yeah.
0: Okay, I'm I'm gonna go I am going to go dueling pianos Sweet. with you on that one right there. And here's my stand on that. If you read my content And the best that you got out of it was the placement of my comma? And you're going to light me up on Mm -hmm. that? The way I deal with any troll is that I try, and this is counter to some people, I do engage with them, but I try to bring it to a higher level. I'm like, okay, I appreciate you pointing that out to me. I throw gratitude at them. And I'm honest about it too. It's like, hey, you know what? Thanks for pointing that out. Let me throw the edit in there, You know, take a look at it. And I also try to find a baseline. There's, there's always a baseline between people. I mean, if there isn't, yes, there are those people that are just purely <laughs> argumentative out there. But I'm never going to delete something off of my content because somebody flamed me over punctuation. You know what? I was on the Dean's list when I was in college until I got into my English (laughs) classes, (laughs) you know, my classes nailed it. My environmental science classes nailed it. You know, all that stuff did great. My English was my lowest grade that actually pulled me out of the dean's list and i remember my teacher ripping me up on one of those things and this was years ago and i this did not win any cool points with him whatsoever but i looked at him and i was like um i I appreciate your feedback i i doubt i said it that way and i looked at him i'm like by the way i'm published in like five different magazines at that time and he looked at me like I just like pulled Satan out of my back pocket it's like (laughs) dude um, I've had pieces put into outside magazine powder magazine you know they're bit pieces but I've been published in major media dude so help me improve here you know explain the concept don't I are, In the first sentence, I know that I screwed up, okay? I get it, but you're not helping me fix it. You didn't explain to me where the issue was. You're just giving me a hard time that this happened, and that's where you're losing me as a professor because, you know, when my students have an issue on the challenge course, I'll, I'll look at them, and sometimes it's as blatant as me being like, huh, you're not being smarter than the rope, but that's where it stops. And then um, I, I put beneficial information to them. I don't even give them the answer. I just give beneficial information to them and watch them crunch that through their brain. And then they reattack the problem and find success without having to like do the work for them. But If I just sat there and I criticized them and only brought negative value to them, I'm going to have anywhere up to a a squad of six to 12 guys sitting there on the ground being like, fuck you, Steve. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. So, yeah, if you can't tell, that one spices me up immediately because it even if I saw a flaw in something that you did tomorrow, you're going to get a message from me. And I'll be like, Hey, Tommy, you know, with a meme or with a smiley face, you know, some emotion cons on there with a smile and a wink being like, Hey, saw this. And that's it. I, I, that's, that's it because I want to help you move forward. I, there's not enough time in my day to go out and to be an internet troll. It does not help me. And it doesn't help me emotionally. And it doesn't
1: pay well either.
0: (laughs) Well, unless you're Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to throw a break in here and we'll come back. And I think I know where I want to go to next with this, because you just hit some beautiful Uh points.
1: Now I'm scared. Good. (laughs) Right back.
0: So due to the fact that you do coaching and and that you've created a mastermind, which both of those things are actually hugely tied into everyone that I've spoken to before, Mm -hmm. positive criticism. Now, some people misunderstand that that there is negative criticism, which does nothing to the person. And then there's positive criticism to where you're like, Hey, I saw what you did. It's really cool, but here's where you could do better. There's a massive difference there. Can you speak to that for a little bit for people? Cause I know that that even plays into how you deal with your children.
1: Yeah. Um, how's it go? You, you don't. You don't compliment the, or let me try and figure this out. You you compliment the effort, and I, so to put it in a parenting perspective, um, my daughter Becca, she well, she did something. Oh gosh, I can't think of it, but it was, I, and I told her, I said, you know, simply thank you for doing that. You know, it was. She did something good versus, you know, the criticism of why did you do that? And Mm -hmm. when it comes to coaching, you know, what, what can you do? Again, it's about serving and you, you want the most positive out of your, your coaching clients, uh, out of your mastermind groups, you want the best out of people. And if you start hammering them, but, for example, uh, like I said, my wife and I are going through Dave Ramsey's class. And we were talking the other night in class about I have, this, I have this massive wall in front of me when it comes to numbers and math. And if you figure out the root cause, well, the root cause was it, it was sad. I, as, as a youngster, I really enjoyed math. I enjoyed it. Got into high school and was having some problems as far as uh learning and one of my math teachers had uh me with a with a tutor so one morning the tutor's helping me and he finally turned to me and said you know Tommy you're too stupid to even have a tutor you're not going to get it <laughs> and wow yeah, and so that that's caused me to reflect on oh well This tutor is the expert. Therefore, they know what they're talking about. Therefore, I'm not good at math. And as a coach, you you can't do that. You can't tell people what they're bad at. You know, I'm one of those people I hate. I hate when you go through, you know, the job interview process and you have to go, well, what are your strengths and your weaknesses? Well, I don't like talking about the weaknesses. Let me tell you what I can bring to the table. Let me tell you what I am good at. Oh, amen. Amen. And why do we want to focus on what I'm bad at? You know? So it, it goes back to the coaching. So let's, uh, I'll, I'll use um, my my friend Paige as an example. And part of-
0: You're, you're going to have to tag her on this when this, you know, when I share you the link. Oh, you like, I, I talked about you like 10 times.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I put out a questionnaire. And one of the questions was, who is your ideal client? Who is that customer that's going to not necessarily be perfect, but they're going to pay you? And she wrote back, well, you, everyone. I'm like, no, that's that's not true. Not everyone is going to want your service. So let's break it down. Who is that ideal client? And it goes back to what I was saying earlier from Dr. Stephen Covey and Dr. Wayne Dyer. Think from the end. So who is paying you? Who is giving you money for your service? And when she heard that, I could feel the light bulb go on and say, oh, okay, I get it. So you really have to niche down to, again, who is going to pay for your service? And that's where you know the, the the positive reinforcement. You know, I'm not sitting here berating her, saying, "No, no, no, that is stupid. That is the most i idiotic thing." No, it's you. You want them, and here's what I've learned through the years: the difference between coaching and consulting. Consulting is you're giving the answer. Coaching is you're. Pulling the answer from your client. Yes. Big difference. Big yes. difference. And that's what you want from uh, your, your coaching clients. You want them to figure it out. You're You're there to help them, guide them. But the bottom line is they have to do it. And it goes back to our original conversation on the phone was you saying to me, well, what if you did this? Oh, I never thought of it that way. Versus you telling me to, to do something. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's, a, if it's just a guy thing, not to be sexist, but I don't know if it's just a guy thing, but you tell me to do something, I'm not going to do it.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, Hey, I, I can tell you from experience if you try to do that with women also, they, the, they're not going to do it. <laughs> and they'll probably never come back to you <laughs> with that question ever again. Uh, there is, I'm not going to go so in-depth on that, but I <laughs> it's not about telling people. I mean, okay, there comes a time where the tornado siren is blaring and there's an imminent danger and other people just need to get out of their big brain and just follow the lead of who is actually in charge, which is interesting because sometimes that's where you find dynamics, not meshing at all. And it's like, I really don't care what you think your position is in this society at any point before and after this right now I'm in charge. You need to do this because it's not about you. I don't care about you as an adult, but you've got 30 kids with you. We need to get them into shelter. So you need to stifle and just move because if this is going to be a conflict, then I'm going to take you out of the equation. I'll leave you here in the bushes and everybody else is coming with me.
1: Exactly. So true.
0: But when when you're not in that, you know, I've got a gun on you or I've got a tornado bearing down on me or anything like that, if you don't have that fire alarm emergency telling people what to do is most of the time the wrong way to do it. You, 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 like you said, with coaching, you get them to tell you what they already know Mm -hmm. and then back to them and say, so how are you best going to do this? Or have you thought of this as an idea to make this more fun or easier for you? So, I I just wanted to clarify that for people because telling needs to be reserved for special occasions, especially with children. Otherwise you're having to ask and bring it into a question, especially to where you might even be giving them 90% of the answer, but you want them to have that aha moment of, Oh, wow, okay, yeah, I see how I can do this. I, I just really want to put that out there because there's too many people that immediately go into the tell and yes. not into the ask and the lead. And that is the difference between management and leadership is management, you tell people what to do. Leadership is, hey, I got an idea. Come here and help me with this.
1: What's, what was the saying? You, you manage products, but you lead people. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's perfect.
1: Yeah, I, I wish I, I wish I was the originator of that, but
0: yeah. <laughs> you know, eventually we're gonna find your little tidbits to where we can pull them out and quote them and put your name on them.
1: <laughs> well, what they say like <laughs> at least at least eighty percent or ninety percent of of quotes from you know famous people are wrong. So sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well,
0: I I just saw somebody put up a Wayne Gretzky quote. And then there was somebody and they even, they attributed to Wayne Gretzky. And then somebody's like, no, that was Michael Jordan. And then somebody else came in there and they're like, "Uh, no man, that that's actually Babe Ruth originally said that those guys were quoting him. Like I said, majority quotes are wrong. Right. And then I'm waiting, you know, for somebody else to come in there and be like, you know, that was Satchel Smith back in
1: 1890.
0: <laughs> right. You know, I, I get that, okay, you attribute it to this one person, but if you're going to fight over who said it and not what the context is, you're missing the point of the quote altogether.
1: Exactly. And it goes and it goes back to, you know, me putting up a wall when I would post something and somebody would criticize again a comma in the wrong place and I, I you know again i'm not they're not looking at the big picture they're looking at the minutia of why this this particular article is no value cuz you put the comma in the wrong place right absolutely
0: so what are some of the other things to round out this, this segment here that you have grown into that you've evolved with on coaching, parenting to where you've found like this aha moment, or even if it's like a combination of aha moments that have grown into where, where you're like, wow, I get wonderful results from people when I do this versus what I used to do.
1: You know, another brilliant question because. Here, I had this recent aha moment of, and I, I can't give you the context because I, I don't remember. It was more of, oh my gosh, and not to say that I'm consistently right, but I, I gave somebody some help, some coaching advice because they came to me. I didn't offer, they came to me. And long story short, they came back to me and said, you were right. It helped. It worked. And now, and it it started to build more confidence in me. And so, you know, you want, again, it goes back to what we've talked about earlier. And it's about helping other people. It's about serving other people. And when they come to you and they feel that you're the expert or the guru, or in Tony Robbins' case, I'm not the guru, but they come to you and they ask for some help. And you, and you honestly don't give an answer right away. You actually sit there and you think about it. And you say, well, here's what I would do in your situation. And that other person takes that information and they actually execute it and use it. And it turns out you were right. That builds up confidence. And so that's, that's where I've been of lately is that we all have value. We don't always see it. But we all have value, and when somebody recognizes the value, that's a confidence booster. That that again, in that situation, it meant so much to me that, huh, I do know what I'm talking about. I might not, I might not be again at a a Brian Tracy level, a, a, a you know a Zig Zigger level when he was around, or you know a Tony Rock. But it boils down to there are times where you know what you're talking about and it's, it's a moment for me. I, I have a
0: funny to throw on top of that. A couple of summers ago, I was helping a small squad that was going out on a week long canoe trip. Mm-hmm. And we picked two of our junior staff, uh, both of these guys being 18 plus and said, okay, you're running this trip. But the funny thing was, is that, you know, when I'm helping coach them as being the leaders for this trip, we also had the boys that were going on this trip there too. And apparently during the week that there were conversations between the leaders and the boys on this scout trip on, <laughs> and they were on the Mississippi river for a week that they came up with the idea that they needed to make bracelets that said WWSD. And the joke was, what would Steve do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and, and one of the boys came up to me, they're like, hey, we're going to make bracelets that say WWSD. And I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, what would Steve do? And I looked at them. I'm like, OK, I beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Huge ego boost. So what do you mean by that? And he looked at me with this weird look, and then he just got this big toothy grin. And he's like, well, according to the other guys, every once in a while, it turns into you just swearing and kicking things and saying, get it done. (laughs) I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, this this is something that happened one time, and that's what you're going to remember me for? Oh, that's just not right.
1: (laughs) Well, to quote you, write the book. (laughs) write the book
0: (laughs) all right i'm going to throw a break in here and we'll be right back and uh god i'm having so much fun with you me too we'll be right back we're back with tommy maloney on the raven rising podcast
1: I think I gonna, gonna, gonna get my 10 I to I'm going to get my 10,000 steps in today with with the our conversation. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm just walking around the house, I might I might get my 10,000 steps because of you. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. So,
0: I I want to touch on certain things that we've gone through here because if anyone hasn't listened to the other podcasts before this, I I I, I can assume greatly that this comes up repeatedly in your podcast, but you may not have taken the time to point out repeating themes, but mm-hmm. a, you're involved with mastermind groups. B you've been mentored and you mentor. C, you time block, whether you refer to it or not that way. Mm-hmm. And you keep the main thing, the main thing, which is why you break it down—not ninety things to do every day, but you do your three, which is, you know, a big lend over to Brendan Bouchard, um, and then the positive attitude—you know, positivity is something that you massively do, and that you help with the coaching by really taking. Questions that you ask, you take their answers and you bring it back to them again for them to react to. Those are key things that have come up with everybody that's been on my podcast before. So that if this is their first exposure here, they need to listen for those themes on the other people too. And, you know, not every single person that I interview, well, in in this case, not even the person interviewing the people. (laughs) Dales <laughs> nails all those habits perfectly, but it's, it's incremental. It's one step at a time. It's bit by bit. So it, what are some of the things that when you first encounter people, especially those coming to you for coaching, is that the lack of some of those cognizant themes? Because you, you know, we look at Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. And you also mentioned Dale Carnegie. Um, and uh, Stephen Covey, you know, I, have brought his name up in the past. Also, what are some of the, the key things that you try to help other people do for habits, even though, and this is the funny thing, the more high performance you are, the more you are to criticize your lack of good habit, even though mm-hmm. you're doing better than most people, what are the key things that you try to point out to people when you encounter them and you're being helpful to them?
1: Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Um, and this comes from being a parent too, is prime example. So this week I received an email from um, my son's hockey uh, is over. He's now in, into baseball. And I received an email from one of the coaches saying, "What a delight my son was, the leadership he brought. So you were asking earlier about aha moments of coaching and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you have to lead by example. Have to. So when I received that email, that was a proud, as I like to call it, a proud daddy moment because I try my best to be a not just a good parent, but a good mentor. I mean, I think as a parent, there are times where you have to step away from the so-called being a, a dad and and at times be a mentor as well. So I am truly grateful that I've been able to take, you, you were talking you know, earlier about um, during the segment about, positive energy well am i always positive no uh have i had days and it's been a while quite honestly i'm gonna i'll be 100 it's been a while since i've i've gone through any bouts of depression it was like something just left me in a good way but it goes back to gratitude and that's something i've tried to bring to either coaching clients or or uh, the kids that you you do need to find, and it goes back to all right. So I have three things daily I need to do. Well, part of that is a gratitude journal, and it, there you will find reasons to be grateful. You could have a bad day, you know. You could lose a job. You could end up in divorce. You know. You could lose uh, due to death spouse, let's say. But if you're grateful for maybe the time that you spent with that person, or you're grateful now that you're not spending time with that person, gratitude will take you to a lot of places. And so when I start going through, you know, uh, coaching people, I want to see what are they grateful for? I want to know what value they offer to others. And if they don't see it, well, how can I help them see the value that you can bring, that they can bring to others?
0: I'm going to interject real quick. I think that we need to be very clear here that gratitude is about experience, not
1: things. I agree. I totally agree. uh, And another example is, so my son turned 15 uh, a couple weeks ago and I I wanted to have an experience with him. I wanted him and I to do something together versus getting him a gift. And even though it was still receiving a gift, we went to, Uh, a hockey game he and I are huge even though we live in Colorado not gonna bore people why I I am not an abs (laughs) fan it it gets really down to the minutiae why I'm not an abs (laughs) fan but the Chicago Blackhawks were in town Um, my mom had reached out to me and said what are you getting Connor for his birthday I said I really want to get tickets for uh, when the Hawks come to town she says let me help you with that And that's what we did. We went to uh, the hockey game together. That's an experience that he and I have. That's a a moment that he and I I have to share. And I agree with you that gratitude is not about things. It's about about events.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, it's not about the postcard as the physical postcard that you sent him mm-hmm. but the words the emotion and the experience of getting the postcard that's the gratitude point you know so it doesn't matter if you sent a 24 karat gold postcard or you know you're picking one up at an airport for 5 cents a piece it's not about the material value of it but the emotional experience of
1: it that matters totally agree i uh, yes and I, I, again it goes back to you know being present you know being in our kids lives like like you were talking about earlier as far as you know that example of the dad having to pull the kid from scouting because dad's life was more important than than the child and I don't see gratitude there. I see selfishness there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's always interesting. And I treasure even the worst times that I've had working with youth through Boy Scouts or through my short experience with AYA alternative youth adventures, Mm -hmm. or with, you know, being one of the assistant hunter safety instructors, you know, or when I was helping with the 4-H as a peewee, you know, small caliber rifle coach, that each of those times, I'll take the worst days of almost every single one of those. Over so much else of just like a material good versus that experience, because I learned so much. And I tell you what, if, if there's any guy or gal out here that thinks that they're a crack shot, I tell them what, go hang out with some of those peewee rifle clubs that are doing 22 and challenge those kids to a shoot off on who can get the tightest group on a target because i had a couple of you know early teen girls that walked me up and down that shooting range and i mean it wasn't even a challenge for them they handedly kicked my butt (laughs) and oh they had so much fun with it they're like hey steve you're, you're like the better coach here. Come here, shoot against me. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just also one of those beautiful things to where that positive feedback to where the kids knew that they had surpassed me at a certain level. But when I gave them feedback for their shooting, they knew that I was helping them become better it wasn't like some weird ego thing that I've seen people get into where it's like, oh, well, you're doing better than me. I need to like screw that up. No, it was like, okay, cool. So I see your grouping. I know how we can get that a little bit more on the 10 ring and get your grouping a little bit smaller. I'm noticing that you've got a little you, little twitch when you're doing a trigger pull here or you're you're holding your breath too soon. You know, odd things like that. But I didn't stop trying to help them improve once they exceeded what I had been able to accomplish, you know, I just want to put that out there because there are certain leaders. I I don't, that's not even the right term. There's certain people that are out there that they'll help you only get so far. But Mm -hmm. if you're about to exceed them, that they literally try to like kick your knees out from underneath you.
1: I heard a great, great um, interview. Of Terry Crews with, on Tim Ferriss' podcast. And if you don't know Terry Crews, Terry Crews was one of the uh, Old Spice guys. Uh, he was in uh, Everybody Hates Chris, love that show. But he talked about his time in the NFL. And he, he talked exactly what you were saying, Stephen, that you know there were guys, I mean, especially when it comes to professional sports. I mean, it's, it's u- uber competitive. And Terry Cruz talked about how um, the coach gave him a play. He ran, uh, he was getting ready to run the route and he asked one of the other players a question and the player gave him the wrong answer. So Terry ran the wrong route and the coach just went all over him. And he looked over and saw that other player just laughing. And it's like, we're on the same team what why are you doing that to me you should you should be helping me, not bringing me down or not giving me the wrong information and i i I think there are too many times where people fall into that trap and where instead of helping others, we're trying to you know bring others down. I just.
0: When you were saying that, I remember when I was working in this black hole of auto sales. Mm
1: -hmm. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. Um, But there were a couple of the team members there that, well, and team is the wrong terminology to where they would actually give you bad information because they didn't want to see you get the sale. And once I figured out who those people were, I, I handled them differently. But when I was teaching the new young guns that were coming in, that I avoided doing that to them. And again, it was one of those things where one of my general managers recognized that I'm not gaming this at all that I'm doing this to actually help everybody that's willing to jump on board with my program all do better. We had one of our new young ladies who just wasn't feeling confident yet in her skills. And she finally got somebody to sit with her. She had a couple of questions. She brought me over to her desk because I was helping mentor her and you know, I I helped her all the way. And the guy saw the customer saw the interchange between me and her. And he enjoyed it so much that he came back and bought two more cars from her, three cars total. And she came up to me and she's like, Hey, I got to give you something out of this. And I'm like, uh, cool. You get lunch today. And she's like, what? I'm like, no, seriously. (laughs) Like you get lunch. You needed those three sales you did 90% of the work there. I just helped change the message a little bit for you so that everybody was on the same page. You were both trying to get the same place, you know, happen. He wanted to buy a car. You wanted to sell him a car. I just helped you through a couple of awkward moments and it was beautiful. And the customer came away later and found me and he's like, do you know why I bought those three cars from her. And I'm like, no. And he was like, because when you were helping teach her, you were so authentic and open. And I could tell that you weren't trying to get anything from her other than to show her the best way to do this and take care of a customer. And I was like, that's awesome. It blew my mind.
1: Their success is your success.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it just wasn't a good fit for me in that environment. I I don't think that I was high enough up that food chain. And I realized that, you know, if somebody that I worked with there listens to this, they'll be like, well, you didn't put the time in. I get that. I, I, it just didn't correspond with what my long-term goals were. And it got in the way of certain things. And that's why I ejected myself out of car sales at that location. Mm -hmm. You know, there were, I saw what some of the hurdles were and I just did not want to have to put the time and effort into it to where I could like focus on my own thing going on. And man, it's, it's moving forward. It's it's just going in its own direction. You know, pivots, pivots come into mind and whirling dervishes. Mm -hmm. So, Let's uh take a quick break here and we'll regroup here in a second and do another segment. How's that sound to you? Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. We'll be right back. I love your energy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
1: Be right back. <laughs> So I have a question for you. I have an answer for you. It might not be intelligent, but I have an answer for you.
0: Of all the things that we've touched on, is there anything that is like bouncing around in the back of your brain that we haven't had a chance to get into yet?
1: Uh, Oh, gosh. Um, My friends will be not happy with all those so's and um's I just did.
0: You that's know, a kind of that's kind of funny because i was just telling a young man a last sunday when he was checking in on his mentorship call that i was like
1: you need to go find Toastman. it it it's such a beautiful organization as long as you find you know, me and my uh, toastmaster pedestal is you have to find the right club i mean not every club is going to be a good fit for everybody but ah yeah i love i love toastmasters
0: So is there anything that you've got going on that we haven't touched on yet that you want to share with people? Or is there like anything on like the experiential side of where you come from or what you're doing right now that we haven't touched on that you'd like to share? And I realize that we, we've been ping-ponging back and forth all over the place. But ultimately, my goal is to have the focus on you while we're here that's why I'm asking this. Is there anything that we can do to help promote you, that the listeners can do to help promote you um and also
1: you know learn
0: more about you i
1: um, I'm speechless because I'm not used to I'm not used to that type of questioning because it is i and I know you, Stephen. I know it's sincere. I know you truly mean it. And when people ask me, how can they help me? I, I freeze up because it's, it's a it's a nerve wracking question because I, I, somebody asked me this just yesterday um, for a potential guest on the pod, on my podcast. And that was, how can I help you? And I don't know how to answer that. I really don't, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, yeah, you can find me, you know, on the social media, but I don't know. I, I see, you've stumped me. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. And it's weird. That's valid. It, it's a, it's a simple question. And I don't know. I, I guess the only thing I can think of is, I don't know if, if any of your listeners, need help. I'm, I'm here to help them. And that's, that's, all. I mean, like I said earlier, we're, we're on this, unless you're a Buddhist, we're only on this planet one time and make the most out of it. And I, I, you know, I'm really bad. Here's, here's the thing. I'm really bad when it comes to selling myself. And what I mean by that is I was taking um, last year, last year, here? Yeah, uh, an online course about how to, as a speaker, how to help promote yourself and your business and things like that. And the hardest thing for a lot of people, no matter what the industry is, and you're talking about being in the car business, is is the asking for the sale. Is is telling somebody how much your product is, how much uh, your your speaking fee is, and. The, the drill was, the exercise was, you, you go into your kitchen, for example, and you grab the salt shaker and the pepper shaker, and then you pretend somebody's there, or you can do this with, with a friend or a spouse, and you just simply sit there and you go, salt shaker, pepper shaker, 7500 Salt shaker, pepper shaker, $7,500. $7, 7500 would represent, let's say, uh, a speaking fee. So my, again, my issue is I know the value I bring and I know I can help people, but when it comes to sales and marketing of, of myself, that's where, that's where I'm, I'm not good at, but when it comes to helping others, you know, I, I'm, I think I'm really good at helping, you know, small businesses, for example, uh, you know, say, well, have you thought of this, or have you tried using uh, and you know a good example is you know there's so many different social media platforms out there and every and, and people think when they want to start a business that they have to be on every single platform and it's not it's not necessarily true in my opinion. you hone three and you consistently work at those three and I was talking to somebody who had a small catering business and we talked about, you know, you're, you're a catering business. So you, you want visuals, you want Instagram, you want Pinterest and maybe, you know, Facebook for some video content. And she thought, Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's good advice. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Move on, become successful. Um, So again, to somewhat try and answer your question, you know, if, if somebody out there listening this, me in my trying to stumble through this podcast with you, Stephen, if somebody needs help, I'm just here to help them. That's that's why I was put on this planet.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So I'm just trying to bounce this around because like I said earlier in the interview, there there's so many different directions that you can go in and you bring so much value to it. And I totally identify with, you know, being able to help and not knowing how or where to put the price tag on some of that. Um, I guess like one of the things that I've done in the last couple of weeks, I approached Oh, easily a hundred different tequila, mezcals, sotol, and even some Irish or Irish whiskey and some Scotch whiskey, Scotch uh, producers. And I came to them and I said, Hey, how can I help you? And they were kind of confused by the question. I'm like, Well, here's an example. And I opened up like five different doors for them without an ask whatsoever. Mm -hmm. and the beautiful part of that though was that some of these people are the owners of the brand or owner of the distillery and I dropped so much free value on them up front to where they turned around and they're like so what are you working on how can I help you now Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I don't think that it's necessarily about having a price tag attached to it. It's, it's about being of service. And, you know, one of those companies, for example, the guy was so enamored with the fact that I brought all this value to him and easily, easily, I probably added $250,000 $250,000 net to his personal bottom line at the end of this year, just because of some of those connections that he in turn gave me the most valuable thing in the world that he has. That was his time. And he opened up his mental floodgates on me and just dropped so much knowledge. So I think that that's one of the key things that I know you do it without seeing it that way sometimes that you bring so much forward value that you're changing the long-term outcome of somebody's life. And you don't even understand the influence that you have where, you know, for sales volume, for a couple of those people that I spoke to, just because I know what the product count was going to look like for them, that that's an additional quarter of a million dollars at least If they completely execute on everything that I gave to them, that could be an additional million dollars worth of revenue for them for the next year. And by putting that out there without saying, Hey, I want an equity stake or a price tag on this, that they're one of them actually said, Hey, are you interested in coming on board as our director of marketing and we're going to get you an equity stake in the brand? It's like, um, wow, that's a huge offer. That's way bigger than any price tag I would have put on this for myself. So I I wanted to like get that out there, not as a self-promotion thing, but for other people to learn that when you go into something and you're being of service, which is one of the key things that you bring up repeatedly and thank God for that, that when you do that, sometimes not putting a value on it for yourself actually opens you up for bigger prizes.
1: Do you see where I'm going? Well, I, I think one of the biggest keys is being self-aware and, you know, knowing, knowing who you are, knowing the type of person you are. I mean, I've, you know, we've all, we've all met people in our lives, Stephen, that, know come and gone and it's it's the people that have self-awareness and integrity that you know you 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 stay in touch with versus the people that are that don't have that that don't have integrity that don't you know are always about themselves and always about me 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 versus we 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 and so i i look at you know i go back to you know you, you want our first conversation. And at the time I was working part-time at a liquor store and I just happened to have here in the office, I happened to have a couple of, you know, business cards and you, you totally turned the conversation into, no, we're not here talking about me. We're talking about how can I help you? And again, it's, it's a very, um, it's a statement that people are not used to of, I'm, I'm not here to promote me. I'm here to help you. What what can I offer for you? And I think part of it is that we live in a, a society, regardless, and I'm not talking politics. I'm just saying, we live in a society that we're not used to people asking, how can I help you? We're so used to, you know, I mean, what's in it for me? And it's just sad. And you know, I, I look at you know, for example, our three kids. And and I, because of my wife, because my wife has so much faith. And she does do a. I mean, she's here this weekend because she's at an event. She's a member of uh, Kwanis, which is all about serving, and because of her ability to resonate with others about being in service, she's taken that and put so much um, goodness into our family. And even with my son, you know, he's about because of the influence of my wife Anne, he sees the importance of serving and not necessarily always, again, what's in it for me? No, it's about what can you do to help others? And again, another person's success will be your success. Yeah. That's, that's,
0: I, I thought of a couple of different places where that plugs in. I am one of the chair people not chair people. I'm one of the committee members for a venture crew, which is part of the scouting organization. You have to be 14 up to 21 to participate with the crew. And when we were doing our first year of that, that I was at a couple of the meetings and I kept asking them, what are you guys going to be? Each crew has a mission you guys can be the high adventure crew and we can just drag you all over the country. Actually, you'll drag yourself since you're youth led, Mm -hmm. but how are you guys going to use this program to be better? You know, and we threw everything out there from, you know, do you want to do emergency medical technician work or do you want to do other things like that? And in their own, this is the fun part of this, is that we actually made it a rule to where the kids, and I use that term loosely with them, kick us adults out of the meeting, Mm -hmm. and they war game it, mastermind it, and they came back to us after all the delicious options that they had, and they said, we want to do service, we want to be of service, we want to help other groups, we want to help the boy scout camp. We want to help other troops and explorer units and that blew my mind. It, it still blows a bunch of our minds. It's like this is what you've come up with. And they're like, yeah, this is what we think we're best at and this is what we'd like to work on and this is what we'd like to be. So their entire team mission now is of being a service group. And I just wanted to plug that in there because it it's relevant to what you're speaking about.
1: Well, it goes back to leading by example and they see, you know, the example you have uh, done. So the, the, you know, again, it's, it's a mirroring technique. If, if you bring positive um, things to a person's life, they're going to have that reflection of positive as well. And they're going to be able to carry that that positiveness and share it with others. And so again, it's leading by example.
0: All right. So I'm going to throw one last break in here and we're going to come back and we're going to wrap this up because I could spend all day with you, but I don't think that our listeners want to spend eight hours on the podcast with us today.
1: And in, in quite frankly, eventually I want to shower.
0: and this is the best part about being remote when we do this right (laughs) exactly all right and we'll be right back after the break and we are back with tommy maloney on the raven rising podcast Hey, so you touched on something in the last segment when I asked you a question that I'm gonna force you down a road here. Where do people find you on your social media?
1: It's funny you say that because um, <laughs> I'm a—I uh, I drive my wife nuts anytime I talk about the website and. I've changed it so many times. I'm about to change it again. So right now, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, the easiest way probably is Instagram at BlendingFamily. Same thing with Twitter, BlendingFamily, or Facebook. Uh, I think I'm just Tommy Maloney on Facebook. So the BlendingTheFamily.com website is about to come down and it's about to go through some major changes. And um, a couple of things I want, I wanna, I'm not a, the, the story is I'm not a WordPress guy and a lot of the uh, coding in it is hard coded and how to code. So it's time, it, it's, so again, I the website's about to come down, it's going to go through some changes. So again, Tommy Maloney, Facebook or blending family, Twitter, Instagram. Um, that's, that's, you'll find me more and more on Instagram and LinkedIn again, LinkedIn, the Tommy Maloney. Uh, so that's, that's how you can find me. Um, and,
0: yeah, s- title of or titles of the books that they can find online for sale right now.
1: Uh, at Amazon, you'll find the first book, which is 25 Tips for Divorced Dads. And then the second book was Why Not You, Why Not Me. Again, it was just a, a bunch of the early uh, blogs as I was going through my divorce that I, I put together and created a, an ebook version. The new book, which I'm excited to say will be out in October of this year, again, is my dad's advice at 5.04 a.m. And the 5.04 a.m. simply represents uh, the time my son Connor was born.
0: Now, did you mention the children's book that you did? Wasn't there a coloring book that you told me about?
1: Oh, crud. Thank you. Yes. Yes. oh my gosh Um, the name of that coloring book is called 10 Tips on How to Survive Your Parents Divorce which was written by uh, my bonus daughter Becca my son Connor and I I believe Becca was 10 at the time Connor was 9 at the time Um, they came to me they said they wanted to write their own book to help kids again it's about being in service, uh, they wanted to write a, a book about how kids of a younger age, so we're saying anywhere probably around four plus, maybe eight, nine, ten years old, um, on, on how, you know, because at a young age, you just really don't have the, the vocabulary to really express your anger maybe of going through a divorce so again 10 tips on how to survive your parents divorce we turned into a coloring book um it was just it was a overall fun project um so i mean i've already i mean the the copies that have been purchased uh, i've received great great uh stories uh for example there was uh, a, a banker and his wife is a school teacher and um, my wife and uh, Becca had gone into the bank and somehow they, the the topic of the book came up and um, the, the banker said, Hey, if you have any copies, bring them in. And so he bought a couple of copies right there, gave them to his wife because she had a lot of kids in her class that were uh, going through divorce and she ended up emailing us saying how uh, one of the copies of the book really helped one young child to be able to get through get through their parents divorce so yeah I mean I'm, I'm super proud of our of all of our kids um, you know the oldest Betsy she she's not involved with with some of the stuff uh, for example the Uh, when I first launched the podcast, Becca and Connor were my, my voice people. So they did the introduction of (laughs) of the podcast. Um, so Betsy is, she's going to end up going to medical school. Um, she's 21 and just a brilliant, brilliant young adult. So, I mean, overall, I mean, not to really change subject, but I'm I'm just very blessed that all three kids not only treat each other like brother and two sisters, but they truly love each other and they truly do care about each other. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just grateful every day that um, our kids do get along and beautiful, that, beautiful because of that. I I married a great lady. So, so there. Awesome. All right, Tommy. Thank
0: you very much for your time today. Uh, like I said before, you were supposed to be the inaugural guest on this podcast, and I, I, the well, the funny thing is, Tommy, that you and me picking on Anchor, the app that I'm using here, actually caused them to put out a couple of updates to solve some of the connection issues that we had earlier. Yeah. So. Because we did it in a nice way, a kind way, in a fun way, <laughs> yes. they responded and they actually did it. I was actually amazed at how quickly they were able to solve the problem. So it's nice to see that they did that. So absolute props to them. I so thankful that you're here today and I appreciate your time. I'm going to wrap up Tommy. Once again, thank you so much for being here. And I'm so glad that you're executing on some of the things that we talked about the first time we met.
1: Listen, Stephen, I am honored, blessed, humbled, grateful for not only your mentorship. And I, and I really mean that you are one of truly one of my mentors, but just your passion for, for helping others and wanting to help others. And your listeners, don't know at this moment how much you care, you truly care about people. And I, I, I I see so many great things for you and I look forward to when you make your visit here uh, to Colorado. I'm not a tequila person, but I I, I hope, I hope you bring, I hope you bring some tequila because I I really want to try some other uh, adult beverages like i said i'm i love my red wine and so there you go well maybe i can help you with that too but all right thank you
0: very much for being here on the raven rising podcast and enjoy the rest of your saturday enjoy your weekend you've earned
1: it I still have one more thing on my my list of things to do. So, other than take a shower and eat, but write the good. book, Tommy. Write the book. <laughs> <laughs> so true.
0: All right, you have a wonderful day. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. See ya.
0: Peace. <laughs> That was Tommy Maloney. So much fun having him as a guest. He was meant to be my inaugural guest on here, but we finally got our schedules and stars to align. Today was the day. Make sure you find him on his social media. Find him at Blending the Family and reach out to him. Interact with him. There's a lot more going on there than just meets the eye. He's incredibly humble. His humility comes out in front of everything that he does. So there's so much more going on there than we could even get into on this podcast. So again, please make a point to share this with people. Make sure that you interact with us. You can even call in and leave voice messages through the Anchor app on the podcast episode, and I'll include you in with the content that we produce. You can also send messages through the Anchor app and through my social media. Plus, you can get a hold of me at Agave Sun International on Instagram, Raven Rising on LinkedIn. And basically, if you search for Agave Sun International and Raven Rising, you are going to find me. I want to hear from you, I want your interactions. If you want to be a guest, my criteria. It's interesting, I'll talk to you, but feel free to reach out for that too. I'm having a great time doing this. The people that I'm getting on here are phenomenal. I I just can't say that enough. And you matter, please reach out, interact, share this, find a way to engage, and we are here to help you. The whole point of everything that we're doing here is so that if you haven't encountered all of this yet, from our guest Tim Michael and Kim Gattab and so many others, including Marcus Aurelius and, of course, Tommy Maloney today, get some of this into your life because it'll make substantial, substantial changes for you. Thank you very much, everybody. This is Stephen James Peterson with the Raven Rising podcast.
1: Once again, thank you.